Welcome to the third edition of the News and Records HSA Extra Football Pep Talk Podcast of the season. I'm Joseph Herrera, joined by J.P. Mundy. The first game we want to talk about this week is a huge rivalry game between sixth-ranked Northwest Guilford and number three Northern Guilford. And J.P. spent a little time today talking with Northwest Guilford coach Jared Rolfes about the game. Coach, you're in a unique position to talk about both teams in this game Friday night after serving yeah. as offensive uh-huh. coordinator last season. Obviously, Coach Roscoe has changed some things, but you know quite a bit about their personnel, don't you? I do. Um, it was the easiest data report I've ever written, um, <laughs> you know, just in terms of preparing. So, yeah, I know a lot of what they like to do, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's about execution like that, and they're very good. And, um, yeah, I know a lot of their kids were well. I still talk to a lot of them, and so it's, it, it'll be an interesting evening in that regard. What, impress, what impresses you most about Northern's teams? Which which players are you, are you most worried about? Well, I mean, the obvious ones are like Mook Reynolds, big kid, and he, you know, he plays fast and he's a great all over the field. And then obviously Cam Harris is going to be their quarterback this year. Um, very athletic CJ. You know, I had a chance to coach all three of those guys last year. CJ's a heck of a player. Um, you know, I think as a whole defensively they're very good. I think they're well coached. Um, they're aggressive. They kind of know, you know, what they've run, been running this system now for this is the fifth year. So even though Coach Thomas is gone, you know, the guys that took over have coached with him that long. So I think defensively they're very good. Um, you know, I think they're a little bit more versatile on offense than what Roscoe has been in the past in terms of he's spreading out a little bit more. I think a lot of that's, you know, related to their personnel, um, you know, both up front and also on the edge. So, I, you know, I think overall just, you know, the guys you would expect me to say are the ones that stand out. But I think Tucker Hort's done a really good job. Tucker was an excellent young man to coach last year, and he's, he's gotten a lot better from a year ago. And he was a great player last year. So a lot of those kids are, are making improvements, you know, which is what you, you, you want to see as a coach when you're, you know, on that side, if you will. Can you assess the play of uh, your quarterback, Josh Hommel, after two weeks of play? I know I saw you guys week one, and he kind of stepped up there. You saw his experience um, in, in, in that fourth quarter of your opener, and, and, and he came through again for you last week. Can you just assess his development over the first two weeks? I can. One of the things that, that Josh has done a really good job with is, is the first week um, he struggled early, and I think it was you know related to you know we were still trying to rotate two quarterbacks at the time, so I really didn't feel like we had a guy that really had taken the job at that point. And to, you know, be fair to the team and to, to those two guys, even though Josh had started a year ago, it was a whole new system. Um, and then you know as we got into the latter part of the game, I noticed that Josh was putting us in better position, even though we weren't scoring, we were moving the ball more when he was in the game. So we kind of went you know that route as the game kind of progressed. And I think. You know, the obvious thing is if you can go with a guy who's got that game experience at that point in the game, and he came out with a huge throw late in the game. And, and that whole drive, we started against Smith, I think it was about a minute to go, and I think we started on like the 18-yard line, marched all the way down, and it was basically with you know with his arm and some of the things he did with his feet and got open in space and that sort of thing. So then as we progressed into week two, you know, we really talked a lot about just sticking with the little things to make the offense go. And that's something I've always tried to preach to quarterbacks I've coached in this scheme that I like to run. Um, is that if they can really buy into like the little things, it's going to make them look really good because you know the athletes are the ones who make the plays. If you can get at the ball, so I think you know early on Josh had a tendency to look you know for the deep threat or certain kids. Now he's going to really buy into okay, this concept, this is the defense here's where the ball needs to go most of the time. So he's doing a better job of breaking that down. But he played really well last week. You know we missed a few opportunities, but overall I felt like he's made progress from week one to week two and um, continues to put us in position. And, and he's found ways to win, which is the important thing. You want somebody that's a winner, and he's been able to do that for from an offensive standpoint. So that's uh, that's the progression right there. 
And finally, Coach, it's not a conference game, but what does this game mean to the Northwest program? What does it mean to you? Well, I mean, you know, I told the kids, you know, we, we're going to treat every game that, that basically the same. We're not going to elevate any game over the other. I said, you know, the, the crowds are going to do it. The, you know, the, the administrators are going to do it. The school's going to do it. So, but we're not. We we always, on our scouting reports, and we talk this way, we always call our opponents a faceless opponent. So we try to get them to envision they're playing no-colored jersey. It's just it's just an opponent. So, um, you know, but, but I think at the end of the day, you know, the people aren't stupid either. I, you know, everybody knows that, you know, I did the uh, – I guess the the opposite of what people would, would think that would be done and jump ship to the rival and there was a lot of there was a lot of people who were really upset about that and that, you know, kinda I don't know, sort of treated me poorly after that and that sort of thing. And, and, and there's no bitter feelings on my end by any means. I mean this is a great opportunity and a great school to be at and Northern's the same. So, you know, it, it'll be interesting. You know, I coach all those kids, I know them all, I know all the coaches and that sort of thing. So yeah, we, we've got a, and we know we've got a tall task because they're a real good team. They've got a lot of confidence because they've won a lot of football games over the last five years. So, um, you know, it's it, it's a it's a big opportunity for us to get something done that's never been done here before. Um, and you know, whether it's this year, which is our goal to get it done, or it's next year, we're we're going to get it done at some point. We're going to get this thing crossed over. So we got to make sure that we, you know, because that's just a big moral victory, I think, when you can beat your rival, but also that you just. You just have had problems with in the past. So our goal is to get it done right now. Okay, next we'll break down four other key games for Friday night. The first game I want to talk about is number eight, Southern Guilford, at number seven, Southeast Guilford. This is a matchup where you have a pretty good idea of what you're going to get from both teams. For Southern, the offense is running back Reggie Gillespie. For two games, the heavily recruited senior has 487 yards rushing and seven touchdowns for Coach Darrell Brown's team. For Southeast, it's also a ground attack. The coach for its Sessenthaler's Falcons mix it up quite a bit with quarterback Bubba Craven and running back Styles Jennings, Garrett Church, and Zakey Stevenson. A lot of misdirection. Southeast won 22-8 last year on the way to a 9-0 start, but the difference this year could be an improved Southern defense that's only given up a touchdown per game and two victories. Next, I'd like to talk about Matthews Butler at Page. Going into the season, this looked like a great matchup. Butler was coming off of a Class 4 AA title in 2012 and reached the semifinals last year before losing to eventual champion Charlotte Mallard Creek. Page had a strong summer on the 7-on-7 circuit and looked to be ready to challenge winning 4A champion Dudley in the Metro 4A. Butler has certainly held up its end. The Bulldogs are off to a 2-0 start after Friday's 28-27 win over Mallard Creek, a team that USA Today had ranked number 11 in the country heading into that game. Butler features dynamic quarterback Anthony Ratliff-Williams and junior running back Benjamin LeMay. And if you recognize that LeMay name, he's had a couple of older brothers go on to play at the FBS level and come through that same program. Page, on the other hand, has been a bit of a disappointment this season, at least so far. The Pirates fell behind 31-0 at home in their opener against Davy County. They did battle back before losing 45-40 in that one, but last week they were no match for Northern Guilford, losing 35-7 in the Nighthawks opener. You have to give Coach Kevin Gillespie a lot of credit for playing a tough non-conference schedule. The Pirates need to cut down the mistakes they made in their first two games if they're going to right the ship. One of the season's most highly anticipated matchups is finally upon us here in week three as the number two East Forsyth Eagles travel to West Forsyth to battle the Titans. The Titans are undefeated and coming off of wins at Asheville, Reynolds, 
and at Glen last week. They defeated the Bobcats 35-13. to Both games have been marked by the uh, superb quarterback play of Darian Slade. Darian Slade has three touchdown passes in each of his first two games. The Titans also boast a defensive end who is just making college recruiters salivate. 6'6", 220-pound Jalen Dalton. He will be a force to reckon with off the coming off the edge. And it's going to be incumbent upon Carson Sharp and the Eagle offense to, to get the ball out pretty quickly. Now the good news is, is that with the weapons that the Eagles have, namely Brian Gentry at, at wide receiver and Christian Beal, who's coming out of the backfield, who's just one of the fastest athletes, if not, he's one of the fastest athletes in the area, if not the state. They've got enough weapons that it should be difficult for West Forsyth to, to double any one, one player. But it's going to be incumbent upon Carson Sharp and that Eagle offensive line to, to protect the quarterback and get the ball out to keep uh, Dalton from affecting the game too much. The next game I want to talk about uh, is Grimsley and Andrews. Andrews is just coming off of two heartbreaking losses. The first in the season opener against their crosstown rival High Point Central. They lost that game after leading 25-20 late. Uh, the Central scored a touchdown with less than a minute to go. And then a late interception sealed that loss for the Red Raiders. Last week, they gave up an overtime loss to Southwest Guilford, the undefeated Southwest Guilford Cowboys. Uh, the teams uh, went to overtime. Both teams scored in the overtime, but unfortunately, Andrews missed their extra point, giving Southwest Guilford the win. Now, we talked to Rodney McCoy the head coach of the Andrews Red Raiders in week one of this podcast, and he said that he knew that he was inheriting a brand new team, essentially, but he was hopeful that the success they had on the junior varsity last year uh, would lead to better play, and maybe they'd be a little bit ahead of the, the learning curve uh, as, as juniors. This team is loaded with juniors. They just need experience. Unfortunately, the first two weeks of the season has been a bittersweet experience. But Grimsley, the Whirlies might be just the tonic that Andrews needs this week. Grimsley has had a, it's a run of bad luck, and they have been blown out in their first two games of the season. They had a brief lead in the opener against Ragsdale before Ragsdale pulled away to, to win that game by a couple of scores. And then last week they were just blown out. So I think... This week is the right time on the schedule for Coach McCoy and his Red Raiders to get back into the winning groove and see if they can't work on defending their state championship. Thanks for listening to HS Extra Pep Talk podcast this week. For more high school football coverage, visit news-record.com's HS Extra blog. Follow me at Joe Ferreira NR and follow at JP Mundy on Twitter and read the print edition of News and Record every day. Thank you.